everybody. Welcome to Podcast of Elite on Fire, where we usually explore the filmmaking themes and community involved in Celine Sciamma's portrait of Lady on Fire. We're your hosts. I'm Laurel Hachinova. And I'm Audrey Nee. And it's Halloween! <laughs> the most important day, month, season of the year. And in honor of Halloween, we've brought back our first returning guest to the show, Heather Petrocelli. Welcome, Heather! Yay! Yay! So glad to be here for, like, the high homo holiday. Yes. <laughs> Heather actually first joined us, if you don't remember, Heather joined us back in July to talk about the gothic themes in Portrait. So we recommend checking out episode 14 if you haven't already or revisiting it because it'll be a good companion to this episode. And today, as a trick and a treat, we are going to be watching the 2018 remake of Suspiria together. And we invite you to watch slash scream along. (laughs) So I've seen this movie once in theaters back when it came out. So it's been a while. I don't remember too much except for screaming a lot. (laughs) Laurel, share your experience, please. I have not seen it at all. I have seen it zero times. I have tried to avoid trailers and spoilers because I knew that we were going to do this episode. So I'm coming to this completely fresh Oh, <laughs> and then Heather, have you seen this movie before? <laughs> yes, I have. I saw it. Uh, how many times did I see it in the theater? Uh, quite a number, not as many times as I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but I did see it quite a few times in theaters. And like the very first night I saw it was with two dear friends, Anthony and Jason, on Halloween night, twenty eighteen. Wow, <gasps> that's great. Oh, anniversary. But I am, exactly. And I'm very also very excited that Laurel, you haven't seen it because there's a there's something special about sharing a movie you love with someone for the first time. So if you hate it, just tell me you love it. <laughs> Got it. OK, so the three of us are going to be watching this on Amazon Prime and we'll we'll give you a cue. We'll tell you when we start at zero and then we'll also say when we see the Amazon Prime slash K period media logo mm-hmm. together. And there's also kind of like this brown note which is right around 30 seconds. So we'll, we'll give you two cues, basically, so you can sync with us. Yep. You can also watch it on Apple TV. Or pick up the DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. All I want to say is for anyone who's watching this film for the first time, there are parallels to Portrait of a Lady on Fire in kind of complicated ways because I can imagine that there are some people who are going to hate this film because it's a horror film. There is a horrific death in this film, so be warned about that. But it's not a film that relies on jump scares. It's not cheap tricks. It's not just horror trope after horror trope thrown at you. But in the end, both Portrait and Suspiria, their queer art, their political art, their feminist art, they show and they don't tell. And both films are layered upon layered upon layered. Portrait has openness and space to luxuriate in the layers that are being spoken, whereas Suspiria is kind of loaded and claustrophobic with the layers of meaning behind each scene. And so it'll be hard for me not to be like, and this, and this, and this, as we watch it for like three hours. <laughs> but I literally could probably do that for every single scene. So I just kind of wanted to put out there that they're also in their own ways becoming stories. This is a story about Susie Banyan becoming Mother Superior. So nice. Great. Yeah. And maybe please go ahead and do that. Yeah. <laughs> like <every> scene. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's important to tell you it's not a jump scary. Like my, my partner she can't stand jump scares so she has a hard time watching horror films with me Mm -hmm. because there is that is something that is relied on a lot it's a trope that's heavily relied Mm -hmm. on Uh, this is not a jump scary movie 
and maybe there's two spots that might be a little bit adrenaline rushing, but mm -hmm. there is there is a terrible death. <laughs> Thank you for that trigger warning. Terrible death, trigger warning, got it, yes. All right. Ready? Okay, so let's, the three of us, everyone's <laughs> at zero, is that correct? Correct. Okay, so I'm gonna say three, two, one, and then we're all gonna press play, and then I will, I will also give a second cue at the 30 second mark. All right, sounds good. All right. Three, two, one, play! Oh, God. And we're watching, like, a theater being drawn right now, right? It's yep. lit up. Okay. Yep. I'm going to turn off the lights in this closet. Some lines. Says K period media. <laughs> <laughs> Bah. Okay, uh. here's the 30 seconds. It says Amazon Studios and K period media. Six acts and an epilogue. It's set in divided Berlin. And now it's dark. The film being set in 1977 is also when the original film was oh, made. Oh, nice. That's yeah. Right. She's singing a Nico song, who's a German, Velvet Underground. Oh. Should we say who that man is, or is that a major spoiler? <laughs> I was debating that for a really long time. Yeah, same. I don't know. What do you think? Say it. I mean, <laughs> let's just do it. Let's just do it. So okay. that is Tilda Swinton, who, little known fact, she plays every character in this film. <laughs> <laughs> she does play three main characters in this film. This film has a lot of threes in it. There's three mothers, there's three tildes. Wow. And then the three, I think, kind of represent the id, the ego, and the superego. Plumper here is the superego. I'd also pay attention to how the editing in this scene is actually quite rapid. Yeah. Editing will, you'll notice a shift as we move into the film.
So this 1977 setting is not only when the first Suspirium came out, the Dario Argento, Daria Nicolati film, but it's also set in the German autumn. Is there a significance with her switching back and forth between German and English? I don't think so. Not that I know. I think it's probably just a device to get the messaging out mm -hmm. without more subtitles. Because, you know, Americans, they don't like subtitles. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But I think there might be something to analyze about the way it flows in and out, because you'll see as we move on, like there will be characters who speak English who all of a sudden are fluent in French, German, so. I tend to not really like Chloe Grace Moretz very much as an actress. She was my least favorite thing of the film when I first saw it, but I've come on my you know, 20th watching, I've come to really appreciate what she does to set up the entire film in the scene. Mm. I would just say, remember the name Berger for the end of the film. Thank you. Definitely read that because that, that says everything you need to know about the film. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Are you two Radiohead fans? Yeah. I think that this might be the best, well, at least one of the best things that Tom York has ever done. Oh, that's this, right, yeah. Wow. The soundtrack. So that woman right there in pink, that is also Dakota Johnson. She is playing Susie Banyan in the film, but that is Susie's twin sister. God, I'm forgetting her. Oh, Naomi, I think her, name, her name's Naomi. We don't know much about her. I think we were gonna learn more in future films, but because this film bombed, there probably won't be future films. Oh. You can see she's pregnant in that shot right there. Hmm. I want to know more about Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that for this opening scene, when I was talking about how this film shows and doesn't tell, like look at the care and like everything is just so it is clean, mm -hmm. but this worn down as fuck. But there's so much, I, I don't know. I, I want to say the word love, but I also don't know if that's the right word to use. Hmm. I think it's also important to point out that Luca Guadagnino and Dave Kajenic, who directed and wrote the film, are both gay men. And they mm -hmm. consider this, explicitly consider it a queer horror film, even though the queerness is mostly subtextual. I love a good, yeah. you know, in scene <laughs> title card. Right, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Susie motherfucking Banyan. I gotta say, the sound design of this film is incredible. Yes. That envelope kind of becomes important in the sense that I think you're supposed to think that her, you know, Ohio Mennonite Church sent her to Berlin, mm. but they didn't. So we'll talk about that later, but. Ah.
I remember distinctly loving this building. Yes. I want to live in that building with that coven of witches. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Huh? <laughs> the camera movement. Well, but those camera movements are important because that's like a crash zoom, and there's a few crash zooms throughout mm. the film, and I think that that's the cinematographer trying to evoke the 1970s yeah. feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then look at, look at Helena Marcos oh. and Madame Blanc on the top. Do you guys have opinions about Dakota Johnson? No. Not really. <laughs> I liked her in this, but I don't have, yeah. I, I kind of always didn't really like her because I didn't really like the films she was in, but mm. I knew she was acting royalty because, you know, Tippy, right, the right. Hedron. That's right. And, you know, and then Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith, but really Tippy Hedron. I think that she gives a tour de force performance in this that is completely overlooked, like, Every little decision she makes, mm-hmm. I think, is brilliant. I feel like she also has this old Hollywood vibe, and maybe that's the the royalty she comes from. Yeah, Was she in something recently, uh, like uh, that Fifty Shades. No, like more recent. No, never mind. I think I think I'm saying someone else. She's been in other Luca Guadagnino films. Oh, but those are older, not newer. Mm-hmm. I think I was thinking of another delicately featured, strained looking woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, the mirrors in this room are so bonkers. Yeah, I think a lot of people have analyzed it in a Lacanian. The use of mirrors throughout the film are nods to Lacan. Dakota Johnson took, I believe, two years of ballet to be able to do a good number, like to do a bunch of the actual dancing in this film. Wow, really? Yeah, Dakota, Luca, uh, Dave Kajenik, the screenwriter, and Tilda all are in a film called Bigger Splash together. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> there are basically three love stories in this film. It's Susie and Sarah, Susie and Blanc, and Joseph Klemperer and Anka. So just kind of know that. Okay. <laughs> so much in one word. I know. I mentioned that in the podcast because that reminds me of Marianne. Now I know why you want to live here. <laughs> <laughs> much that actual scene just said in so many ways mm. like in dialogue in silence in blocking more mirrors
That's Ingrid Gavin playing Miss Vendigast, who was Rainer Werner Fassbinder's wife at one point. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I desperately want to be part of that lesbian coven right there. <laughs> They're all cooler than me. I like how they're sitting at the end, like yeah. they're practically on top of each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
That was an advertisement for a dance that will be taking place at the end of the film. What? Pay attention to that shot because there'll be a echo of it. There'll be a doubling of it at the end of the film that's completely different. Which one? The one where he's walking out? Just with the... him walking up. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. This notebook might be one of my favorite props in all of film history because of the care and attention and realism.
Can you imagine being the person who gets to design something I like that? I was just thinking I would love <laughs> to be that person. Everyone lines up for their kisses. <laughs> I'd get in line. I, mean, yeah, I, I, know, totally. <laughs> I might be pronouncing her name wrong, but the production designer for this film was Inval Wienberg. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, there's some interviews out there with her that are worth reading. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. I like her long black witchy dress. I know exactly. Like Madame Blanc is basically a amalgamation of Martha Graham, mm. Pina Bausch, mm. and Lindsay Kemp. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I just love her silhouette. Mm hmm. Did Tilda do dance training? Does she have a... It's just innate. I mean, she's extraterrestrial, so I yeah, believe exactly. that right, she yeah. can do anything at all times, no matter what. Yeah. But I think it's beautiful. In the first film, in the original film, it was a film that took place at a dance school. And dance barely features in it, whereas this is a dance company and dance is how they do the spell work. <laughs> Tanner's laugh is chilling. So good. <laughs> so 
So the trigger warning is coming up in the next few minutes. Ah! <laughs> so soon. I think there might be a couple of trigger warnings. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss Griffiths, lurking ever lurking. <laughs> no. My friends and I call her DJ Witch. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a great Halloween costume that no one would get. Mm. <laughs> uh oh. So, this upcoming scene with Olga, just know that Olga, the actress, I think her name's Elena Fokina or something like that, she's a contortionist and a dancer. Thank you. Oh, that helps. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Hands are very important throughout the entire film since they are the, you know, a lesbian sex organ, so. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Wow. What? It gets worse. <laughs> Just a little. Just a little bit worse. Going back to what you said, Audrey, the sound design is so good. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my god. No. Yeah. Oh, the Hexen. The Hexen. <laughs> the Hexen. This is a brilliant horror scene. It's so effective. You can't see it, but I'm rocking side to side with my hands on my face right now. <laughs> If you feel ill. Mm -hmm. Blanc cares. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Don't want someone to get kicked in the ribs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> What the meh? Oh, my God. Wow. What the? Oh my god. Uh, wow. Whoa. Jesus. DJ Witch, oh my god. <laughs> wow. I really appreciate that you told us she's a contortionist. Yeah. Yeah, actually, most of that scene is practical effects, her ability to contort, and oh very, gosh. very, very little CGI. Wow. I wonder if anyone has used 
this pairing as like their audition for a dance. Whoa. Uh huh. Mm. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> I feel like I need to stretch after that yeah. I feel like this scene has echoes of the end of Night of the Living Dead. Hmm. Oh, jeez. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> 
No, not the meat hooks. Did this scene start with her saying, don't hurt Olga? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Ba-da-da. sound effects <laughs> yeah yeah back to that notebook though like if i could own a prop from the movie it'd be mm. that i want to pause it just to like try to read some of the pages. Know. uh let us feather stiff as a board let us <laughs> definitely the easiest way to pick her up i know that couldn't have just looped it under her limbs no had to Ooh. Pierce it through. Oh, Christ. The meat hooks were so elegant, too. Like, they weren't, mm. you know, they didn't look like they came from a butcher's warehouse or something. Exactly. They were artful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These witches have taste. And they do. Artisanal meat hooks. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of like an Art Deco era hook. It's nice. <laughs> wow. this is like when subtext is just text mm. <laughs> yeah there's no sub <laughs> text 
definitely subtext there. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. What? <laughs> the long witchy hair is making me regret getting bangs. <laughs> I was just going to say between the two of them, there's so much hair. Yeah. Hair's a thing, though. Mm-hmm. Remember, they take away the eyes, they take away the hair, they take away their piss. Wow. In the original script, there was an actual explicit sex scene between the two of them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh my god. No, 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 no. So those dream sequences and how that ends with someone yelling Hester with the Scarlet A being drawn on there, mm. 
my only complaint about this film is that they reference these feminist artists, mm-hmm. including Anna Mendieta, Francesca Woodman, Claude Cahun, Gina Payne, and they don't give any credit. Mm. That's it. It's my one thing. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Fucking love Vendigast. Both of those women, Miss Vendigas and Miss Tanner, I recommend going and seeing some of their early films. This is the scene where I think you realize that Susie wasn't helped by her Mennonite community, but in the end, she's a clever fox Mm -hmm. who stole the money slowly or all at once. These scenes always give me so much anxiety because I'm like, you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. Someone's going to come in. But look, she can pick a lock with ease. She can swipe a lipstick. (laughs) The Susie we think we know is not the Susie. Yeah. You think you know. Mm -hmm. Don't let that long, plain hair fool you. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's part of the queer narrative. She never fit in where she was. Mm. 
but she always knew who she was. She knew she needed to get away. She needed to find her people. And now she's found them in Berlin. Yeah. She would get there by any means necessary. I love that they showed her thinking that at such a young age, like her obsession with Berlin. (laughs) Yeah. And she was like hitchhiking too, right? To go see her. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) The scene's brilliant. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) No. Oh my God, witches. This is what we all do in our spare time. I do think that on a daily basis. <laughs> and I love how she doesn't even tell Sarah. Yeah. She keeps that to herself. she's interested in more than her instincts Uh Mother Marcos has arrived. <laughs> In the script, Dave Kajenik has said there was also a sex scene between Susie and Mother Marcos. What? Yeah. My Whoa. head exploded. 
Yeah, I, I recommend my friends have a podcast called Gaylords of Darkness, and they talk to oh, yeah. Dave and Luca about the film. Oh, Whoa, cool. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I listened to their Portrait of a Lady on Fire episode. Mm -hmm. It was really sure. good. Probably should have said this earlier, but like this entire film can be read as a political allegory for the current U.S. political situation. Mm -hmm. And Marcos represents a particular fascist Cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> Where? bet you do. Hmm. 
Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, have they been piano keys this whole time? It's been the same. I, I wasn't sure if those were piano keys or some... It looked like it. It does.
Can I just give a shout out to whoever did their subtitles? Mm-hmm. You don't usually get that, like, shadow. Yeah. And nice typeface choice. Mm-hmm. Like, it actually adds to the aesthetic of the film. It doesn't right. distract. So thoughtful. Yeah. I like that macrame harness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. Shade. Yeah.
<laughs> oh. Oh god.
<laughs> it's basically a sex scene. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that's also like in direct, like Joseph Goebbels, the minister of propaganda, the Nazi mm -hmm. minister of propaganda had dictated that dance must be cheerful and show mm. beautiful female bodies wow. and have nothing to do with philosophy. So context. <laughs> exactly, Susie. Uh -huh. We got you, girl. <laughs> this like subtextual yeah. sex scene <laughs> is almost exactly like the end of daughters of darkness where instead of higher higher it's faster faster mm -hmm. <laughs> i recommend everybody watch daughters <laughs> of darkness Uh oh. Ah! Oh my God. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> oh no. Not the DJ. Yeah. Oh, that's not DJ Witch. Oh, that one's not DJ Witch? No, oh. that, that, that's Miss Griffith, the coward of the film. DJ Witch was screaming in the background there. Yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> okay, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, Sarah. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go in. That's yeah. a great idea. Just concentrate on how beautiful that robe is. I know. I've been thinking <laughs> Thank about you. That. Yeah. How are people always so brave in horror films? <laughs> Just exploring on your own in the dark. How else do you move it forward? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's nice. It looks like a spine. It's cool. You do say that, though, but it's like there was a bang in my house the other night, and both of our reflexes were to jump out of bed and grab something and investigate. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> But together, you know, like... That is true. That is true. Just a, you know, chill portrait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a simple frame. Yeah, maybe I'd give up Patricia's notebook for that. That. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, Put it right over my dining table. Over your yeah. bed. Oh, oh yeah. it's made of hair. That's yes. neat. Mm, that's neat. Ooh. Oh, what? That looks like a fun project. Wow. That's like Ozzy. <laughs> this is fine. I wonder if you could find like a replica of that frame in Etsy. Oh. How about that sculpture? Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> boobs and a vagina. That's cool. <laughs> What's a house? Yeah. I like the, the feet that look like slouchy socks. It's a <laughs> nice. Oh, a meat hook. Oh.
I like that she's just holding this yeah. meat on her leg. <laughs> blood splattered table yeah oh yeah uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> don't mind me just casually standing here There goes the hair. Hmm. Taking her piss or taking her hair. Oh, they use the colors to indicate the language. Mm. Yeah, cool. so French is blue and German oh, is red. Oh, super cool. 
I think it is a keyboard. What are the... <laughs> oh. I wonder if it makes like a song or something. Yeah, yeah, or like it denotes a key of some kind. It's like a 70s lesbian bondage macrame. <laughs> wonder if there's bondage macrame on Etsy. <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> I like how it's a visual tribute to the original's razor wire. Oh my god, mm. what the fuck? Oh my god. Mm. Oh my god. You see Helena Marcos right there in the bed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. It's just relaxing. Yeah. Do you see how Patricia's eyes are blue and not brown now? Huh. Mm. I do love how dance is a language throughout this film. And I think this performance is, I think I cried the first time. It was so beautiful.
Oh, God. This is like my personal trigger warning coming up. Wow. Oh my god. Oh, god, 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 god. <laughs> oh. Man, these costumes are amazing though. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just just focus on the costumes. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> God. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> Moop. Whoa. A plus screaming though. A plus, yeah. Mia Goth, chef's kiss. Mwah. Right.
Wow. Oh, welcome back. Oh my god. What the fuck? Dave Kajanik, the screenwriter, has spoken about that's the moment when Mother Suspiriorum takes over Susie Banyan. Hmm. And uh, Sarah and Susie's eye colors changed. Ooh.
they all get that same robe? No, Susie's wearing Sarah's robe. Portrait fans are like, I wish I could learn French that fast. I know. <laughs> Is that like a cauldron reference? <laughs> <laughs> 
These night scenes have like exorcist vibes for me. <laughs> like the greenish hue with the street lights yeah. and everything. No, oh, I think that's what the font reminds me of too is the exorcist title. seem like the kind of thing you want to just put in your coat pocket <laughs> yeah yeah like you turn the wrong way and it steps through your heart some like a plus i fucking coming up I think the eye fucking has already started. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Their plates are empty. They don't yes. need anything. Wow. I yeah. love this scene. It's clearly Sarah's dress, too. That's the awesome Jessica Harper, who was Susie Banyan in the oh, original no 77. No way! Wow. Yeah. What?
Yes. Oh my god. Oh, wow. Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're also mad at him for that. That's great. Oh. <laughs> Those cackles. Yeah. So good. But the message is true. I mean, it's uh -huh. a feminist message. Wow, she just really lives here now, huh? See how they're wearing hair and there's hair all over the walls. 
Japanese lady. <laughs> Wait till you get a closer I look. I love Marco so much. I know. I know. <laughs> wow. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
god. Wow. Just a little baby arm. <laughs> that little baby hand. Little baby. Yeah. Oh my god. Amazing. Ugh. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> wow. The woman playing death is the woman who played Susie Banyan's mom. Wow. Wow. Uh. Wow.
Doesn't even get a kiss. Oh. <laughs> but you get a chest vagina right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Can't wait. That's what I've been waiting for. So much more convenient sometimes, I guess.
Are those really the lyrics to that lullaby in German? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow.
So this is the echo back. But look at the blue skies, first blue skies we have. <laughs> oh yeah. Hmm. Is that where the heart was before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's still there. I see it. didn't feel like two and a half hours holy crap i felt like eight no <laughs> i felt like it was went by more yeah more quickly than yeah first time i saw it wow that was amazing yeah and it's like i swear it's one of those films just like portrait that rewards extra watches like for example in that very last scene there's, I like to pretend that those are all lesbians living there now, except for that dude who was like cleaning <laughs> right, up the garden yeah. for them. <laughs> but the one woman walks by with like a book by Eric Newman called The Great Mother, who was a student of Young, which is about female kind of archetypes, including oh, witches. Interesting. Yeah. Without exaggeration, it's just layer upon layer upon layer and nothing is there by chance or happenstance. Mm, Everything mm -hmm. is intricately woven in and then we can talk just about the political allegory for what's going on in the world right now where we are in the u.s please vote everybody <laughs> <laughs> i can't deal with the like marcos yeah i definitely appreciated it more the second time and i don't know if that's because heather with your commentary <laughs> that definitely helped but the first time i watched this i just felt so stressed out and i didn't pick up on a lot of the subtext because i was I was just living in this anticipation of something horrific, mm. but I was able to watch it with more kind of a analytical, I guess, eye this time, like a different lens. Yeah. And there's so many different ways. I mean, you could write a whole book on just it as political allegory for the U.S. You could read it all as a giant coming out story. Mm -hmm. uh, you can mm -hmm. do a whole book just on the fact that Susie Banyan in this film, like in the original film, the Argento film, Susie Banyan is just a stereotypical final girl. Mm. Right, like she right. goes in, she kills them all, she's victorious. This Susie Banyan, it's like our final girl has kind of become a final woman. Right. And there's like a self-actualization. Mm -hmm. There is agency to her. She's in charge. And she's yeah. in charge before she's even Mother Suspiriorum. Susie Banyan from Ohio. <laughs> already like there's a fierceness and a self-possession that she has, which is one of the reasons I always loved Marianne. Well, actually both Eloise and Marianne both have mm. a self-possession. Actually, everyone in, <laughs> everyone in portrait has self-possession. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, it was interesting when during that scene where she's talking about her vision for the dance where she's like, I don't think I should jump here. You know, I think it would be better if I did this. And it yeah. took Blanc back a few steps, you know. Yeah. It was kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, think about talking to your idol and being like, yeah, this thing that I've been like, you know, obsessed with for 20 years, right. I could make it better. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell me what, there's a stinger coming up. So the stinger is much discussed about what it means. So tell me what you think it oh, means. Great. Oh, great, okay. Okay. <laughs> wow, really? Oh my gosh. What? Uh, what? I have to say separately, I love the title art yeah. and the colors and everything. Everything's kind of like askew. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So do you have a final answer with that final oh, scene? Man. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one knows. So what are the theories? People have speculated that it is her bringing Blanc back to life, which doesn't quite make, I mean, Blanc was already still kind of there. Yeah, she just needed like a little neck brace. (laughs) But it doesn't make sense because they, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they had, uh, you know, Miss, what's her name, Uh, Bouter? I'm probably saying it wrong, but she came in and was like, Blanc's gone. I'm kind of like your new Blanc. So Mm -hmm. why would Susie be bringing Blanc back? Mm. People saying that it has to do with Mother Suspiriorum breaking the fourth wall and doing a spell on us. But that that really isn't very, truthfully, very fourth wall breaking. It didn't look like she was looking directly at us either. No, exactly. No, no. No, exactly. I don't think that there's other people who think it's her facing the Berlin Wall from the west to the east and basically casting a spell that will ultimately be the undoing of a divided Berlin. I I lean into that one the most. Mm, Interesting. I feel like it'd be good to get a better sense of like where she is physically. Yeah, you I can, can kind really of see... tell from the... Yeah. Oh, people totally have analyzed that I'm too. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's two lampposts, you know, out in front of the Tans building. And so people have argued over which lamppost it is. The one closer to the Tans building or the one further closer to the wall. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, right? The whole point wow. is it doesn't matter. There, This film will always have unanswered questions and that's part of it and part right. of it also is because it was originally titled Suspiria Part 1 there were supposed right. to be more and there won't be yeah. at least at least right now it seems like there won't be it's too bad yeah
I was curious since Laurel, it was your first time. Is there anything else that really kind of got you? Oh man, I feel like I need to sit in this movie for such a long time. I feel like the build of this, like the pacing, it was so well done. I, I felt like I was carried through very smoothly. I don't know how else to say this. Like, there wasn't a point where I felt like it was going too slow or, you know, it was moving too fast. I felt like everything just, like, when it got to the end, I was like, oh, this has been two and a half hours. And I feel like I was under a spell the entire time. It was kind of amazing. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt it. When we got out of the movie, it was me, Anthony, and Jason. And we literally, it was like, we went and saw a really late screening because we had gone and seen Beetlejuice earlier that day. Oh, nice. <laughs> and we, and we just stood there. And it was, it was like that moment where I'm like, oh my God, I think I think Volk had cast a spell on me. Right, and we just yeah. kind of were kind of in awe of it. And kind of like what Yucha has said a few minutes ago, Audrey, which is like, once you've gotten through that first watch, and you know, and then you're kind of looking for all the other details. Yeah. That's when you kind of understand it more and more and more. But yeah, I think this is a horror masterpiece. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Yay. I'm sorry. I don't have, I don't have like too much to say. I'm just sort of like. I think you need to process it. It's a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. No, it's no, like, it is a lot. You know. I can ask you questions. I can ask you when Mother Suspiriorum goes uh-huh. to Klemper and absolves him of his guilt and shame because you know mm. we need we need it, but we don't need yours. Yeah. Do you think that's an act of kindness, or do you think that's an act of self-serving? I need to wipe the memory of the one witness we had. It initially struck me as kindness, just because the way that she had approached him was so gentle almost tender and it didn't seem like it held any malice necessarily but that could just because she's very sort of like the way that they conduct ritual doesn't seem to necessarily carry it's like this is what we're doing now this is how it needs to proceed but yeah i could see it being either way it felt like an absolvement that's my initial read of it i didn't see why though it's yeah yeah I think I agree with you overall. I think it's one of those things where it serves so many things at once because it does mm. absolve him. But by wiping his memory, you've also wiped his identity away. So mm. he will no longer. I, I mean, my my imagination is that he croaks not too long. Like he's going to die soon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, yeah. Not because he's old. But also I do think it's self-serving because she needs, you know, for Mother Suspiriorum to take over, you know, be the new leader wherever she will go because we won't know because we're not getting the sequels. <laughs> um, right, right. She needed to wipe the witnesses' memory of it. I, I will say that I do recommend listening to that interview the Gaylords had with Luca and Dave because mm. Dave, you know, goes into talking about how they talk for the first time about it being a queer horror movie and being like that was built into it but talking about how they moved back into subtextual queer horror, whereas there's a push a lot of times to make it more explicit, but that the subtext has a different kind of role in this film because these witches can communicate without words, which, mm. you know, is a version of subtext in a way because there is no text. Right, right. So it's, it's an interesting talk. Yeah, we should definitely link to that in our show notes. Yeah, yeah. Ah, just gonna go do some macrame. And, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The only the only other thing that's like surfacing in my brain right now is like I love the juxtaposition of her Mennonite community and this new kind of community and how she just kind of went from one religious sect into another 
like Marcos is sucked, basically. I don't know how else to interpret that, but it was interesting that she just went from like one insular community to another. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things when you think about she couldn't fit into her Mennonite though, mm. right? They, they wouldn't accept who she was. I mean, she had her hand smashed and burned for yeah. masturbating in the closet. Right, right. But which goes into the whole, like, you know, coming out story. But then she goes and finds this thing, which kind of speaks to queer community, but she becomes the leader because in the end, Marcos was, you know, false. Yeah. But no, it is interesting to think about how basically what you just said just makes a tie in even more to the queer side of the story of coming out and like they were set up similarly too, like a mother figure with sisters you know yeah yeah write this article i think you should write this article <laughs> oh man and i think her her mother like didn't accept her in the yeah one, right like right, she called yeah. her like her smear on the world yeah God. yes she did but my thing is is that whole thing with the scarlet a and then they then they kind of like whisper shouts if that makes mm. sense like hester yeah what, what do you think it means do you think it means that the mother had her out of wedlock and she was like oh see, see i'm like i'm gonna interrupt myself <laughs> Great, I'm, totally yeah. gonna, I'm totally gonna interrupt myself because dave did say and i don't know which interview this was like i don't know if this is on the gay lords thing or something totally different but dave did say that in that movie one of the other mothers is in the movie. He would not say who it was. Ooh, wait, but my what? thing is, why set up the whole thing with the twin sister, Naomi, right. and not have it go anywhere? And why did she oh. say it was like, my last one is the smear on the world? And yeah. which twin came out first? <laughs> Whoa, oh, interesting. Yeah. I just yeah. assumed that she was referring to her and she came out second, but hmm. Yes, wow. exactly. But so, because the mother of size, the Spiriorum, is the oldest and the wisest. Right, but the right. mother of darkness is the youngest and cruelest. Wow. And then the mother of tears is the most beautiful and most powerful. So it could it could go other places. Yeah, the mother thing is such an interesting thread, too, because, like, weren't two other young women or girls, I don't know, in that Mennonite family also pregnant? Yes. Well, that's also the role of women, right? Right. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. Are Mennonites one of those communities that assume that if you are being affected by misfortune in some way it is because you have sinned i don't know because that was interesting like the pastor had come over and based on the things that she was saying it sounded like she was trying to tell the pastor why she was sick and it was because her daughter is her sin you know yes Hmm. that to me plays into the hester prin where Susie would be the more pearl character kind of witch-like and the whole family would be more outcast, but clearly that family wasn't mm. outcast, but then maybe they were, maybe that's why, yeah, I don't know. See, lots of unanswered questions, but it's fun to think <laughs> about. Huh. And that's the beauty of film, it doesn't matter. It's like whatever you want to take from yeah. it. Right. Take from it. And there's so much to take from this film. So <laughs> even like it's written into the script, but the reason that the eyes constantly switch. So the reason why Tristia's eyes were brown when they actually are blue mm -hmm. is because Blanc has a brown eyed girl fetish. Ooh. Oh, okay. So all right. That's why it all, wow. <laughs> why there's this constant playing with the color of the eyes. Hmm. What was that light specter that would show up? She followed it downstairs or. I had assumed that was like the, it was like a dream spell. It seemed like when they were communicating with her, hmm. the witches. Mm-hmm. Because every time she dreamed, that would show up in her room. So it's just something like mesmerizing? Or, yeah, like like, a, yeah. a or just like a manifestation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I want one of those in my room. 
but do you really want those dreams? They're kind of like they're they're sexual, but they're no, no. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. No, <laughs> no. I just want the light. I just want Tilda's face to like appear in the, the light. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a list for a friend, actually for one of the gay lords, for Stacey. I just did a list of top 20 horror films. And at the very end of it, I put Suspiria as, one, as number one. I read that list. And when I got to Suspiria, I was like, okay, I can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was saving it till after Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. I don't think it gives away anything, but it's just one of those things that watching Tilda eat chicken wings might be my new kink. <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure. Especially at the angle. Everything, we were kind of like looking up at her eating yeah. the chicken wing. <laughs> Yeah, 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 eating a tiny bird wing is yeah. That was a great choice. Did you list audition in one of the in your top twenty? I did. Because when when Patricia's bag was left behind, I was staring at it. I was like, "Is that gonna twitch? Is it gonna twitch?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And it, of course, it didn't. But still, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I did list that. I'm curious, what do you think of the three Tildas, the three performances? Whoa, man, that was <laughs> such an yeah, like. At first, when you said Tilda was the doctor, I was like, oh, ha ha. And then, and then I kept staring at him and I was like, oh, oh, she really is. I thought it was a joke. Oh, you thought it was uh, joking. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, right. That's what it is. And then neither of you said anything afterwards. And I was like, oh, okay. That was serious. She's amazing. She's an alien. Like, she can do anything. That was, what was the decision behind having her be all three of them? I don't know the actual reason but I imagine that Tilda's just like well I think there's something to be said there I think you could write a lot about the fact that the only main like mm-hmm. there are actual cis men in the movie but they are like literally right. just like throw away they're either there where you don't even know or they're there to mock their penis wow you're right that's true. amazing yeah. so this film is a real polarizing film which I think all great art actually mm-hmm. is even though I'm gonna keep bringing it back to portrait when I meet people who are like lesbians in particular who are like portraits like the worst film ever I'm like <laughs> how how I don't yeah. like, I don't know how to process this oh, information we are different lesbians <laughs> I'm like are you even a lesbian are you even, do you have a pulse but okay, I digress it's like one of those things though where it is a very polarizing film and it's part of the reason I think it got slammed at the box office mm. but I think that to have a woman embody the main cis male character, it changes everything about it. And I think that having Tilda, who actually is an incredible actress, and I believe an incredible human, to have, well, maybe human. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> right. To have her embody the empathic touch point of the film, I don't know. Right. Right. I don't actually know if another, like, a cis straight male actor could have done that in the same way. Hmm. And I'm sure for her, it was, like, such a treat. I mean, to be Blanc, Cleverer, and then Marcos. Right, right, <laughs> right. Squealing right. with her baby arm and her sunglasses. <laughs> Marcos must have been so fun to do, though. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, my seriously. God. Wow. Yeah. Maybe so. she just wanted to do all three. <laughs> Yeah, and I know that they were in talks for a long time, and Tilda's in Luca Guadagnino has done another film called I Am Love that she's in Star. So they clearly have a relationship that goes mm. back. And this film was actually, you know, tossed around for years. And I think Luca and Tilda themselves had been talking about it for over a decade before they were able to get it made or, you know, however, however that story played out, so... Yeah, that's right. That, that's why I first saw this, too, is because of that film. And I mean, obviously because of Tilda, but I loved I Am Love so much. I bet you the director was just like, Tilda, you need to play all three of these roles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah, no, I can totally see that. And she'd be like, wait, tell me about them. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they went pretty far with the Klemperer thing being cast as like a man. They took that far. Like they even had like press release statements coming from, for I'm forgetting the actual, what they called the actor's name. Oh, that's right. You're right. They took it kind of far, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Wow. Yeah, I remember that going into it. I, I don't think I knew it was actually Tilda. And then I was like hearing rumors about it later. Yeah, no, exactly. And I don't know. I don't know if it makes it better or worse. I know people who their Tilda does an incredible job in that performance. And there's so many like just physical embodiment of like an old man that just are so believable. yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still Tilda having to act through a whole lot of prosthetics. Mm-hmm. And I know people who had no fucking clue and then find out in their head, there's like, what? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I've had people who just know something is just a little bit off and they became obsessed by just staring at the character over and yeah. over and over. Yeah. So. It is interesting. Like, it, I like that offness, though. It adds like a weirdness to the character that wouldn't be there if if it was just actually like an old dude. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, when you go out into the polarized world of people who hate it, people really don't understand why that character even exists. And I'm like, well, are you paying attention to the narrative? Like literally that character is like, that character serves the role that Susie Banyan in the first one did. Susie was her own agent, her own detective, figuring it all out. Klemperer is the one in this one kind of driving the narrative forward in like the detective sense of the film. Those are probably the same people who don't understand why Sophie is in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is the way to bring that around. <laughs> nice job. Yes, exactly. Uh, so those are two films I think I will watch forever wow. until I'm gone. This is so good. Thank you both, I think, for recommending. <laughs> I, I don't remember how we decided to watch this for Halloween, but this was such a great idea. I think we had been talking about since Heather was on the show mm-hmm. previously, and we were like, let's do this, especially since you haven't seen it before. Yeah. And then when we did the Instagram stories where we were asking people, you know, what do you want to watch oh, along? That's true. Yeah. I think a couple yeah. people did mention Suspiria. But I'm really glad, Heather, you agreed to do this because otherwise it literally would have been me and Laurel like <laughs> gasping <true. laughs> for 99% of it. So I'm thank you for making this an enjoyable watch along yeah. and providing actual commentary. Yeah. No, thank you for inviting me. It was, it was an interesting. I don't think I actually, it's just not my thing that I excel at because it's so hard. I want to tell you everything and then, I, <laughs> yeah. and then I just want to shut the fuck up because I can't, I like, there's multiple times where I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking over like dialogue. Right, right, right. right. It's tough, yeah. I actually turned on the captions just so I wouldn't miss the dialogue as well, but yeah. So yeah, it was a hard thing. I hope people had fun though watching the film and I hope that people watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think you did an excellent job balancing that. Yep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think I just stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it was really fun. I'm glad I got to watch it with you. Yay. Ah. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. And that's the show. And that's it. <laughs> did you watch along? Did you gasp as much as we did? Let us know. You can email us at podcastofaladyonfire at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at podcastofaladyonfire and Twitter at P-O-A-L-O-F podcast and if you have any questions for heather about the film or anything else let us know or let her know or find her (laughs) on instagram right 
uh, Queer for Fear. Yeah. And then finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider rating us on Apple Podcasts as it helps others find the show. Thank you for listening. Happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Heather. And talk to you all next week. Thanks, Heather. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.